Hey, this is Scott with Lola Vane. You're listening to Rock at Night. Hi, my name is Anita Stewart. I'm the managing editor for Rocket Night. And I'm sitting here tonight talking to Scott Hammonds and Brian Bazard of Lola Vane, um, Phoenix-based band. Um, Brian is living currently in Phoenix, and Scott is in Music City, Nashville. And just recently, they put out two singles I'm Alive, Dirty, Filthy, Crazy, both on video as well. And they're getting some great traction on the streaming networks, uh, lots of hits. And the band already has thousands of followers. And they're just getting started. Rocket Night um, is, is spending time with you guys, talking a little bit about how this all got going and um, what your plans are for the future as well. So... Let me just uh, begin at the beginning and find out how both of you got into music early on. Yeah, so I'll start. Uh, um, so I uh, I come from a from a big family, um, ten brothers and sisters, and every single one of us is, is somewhat musically inclined. And um, my parents, you know, were my dad was a musician. Uh, my mom, not so much, but my mom was more of a performer. So that, so I've got a little of those genes. I've got the the, the music gene and then the performance kind of gene. Uh, and, and so, yeah, so growing up, my, my, my older sisters were the ones that really turned Katie and Tracy, they turned me on to music, uh, specifically, uh, Rolling Stones, Led Zeppelin, um, uh, Sticks, like all the great bands from like the seventies. Um, and and so yeah so i early on i i i knew i wanted to do something musical and and so that's kind of where where it all started and then i you know i started developing my own tastes and acdc was was one of my favorites and that's that's acdc back in black was probably the album that really kind of catapulted me into like hey i want to do that you know um right. so i was i was a bit of a late bloomer on guitar i started on my parents made me take piano lessons when I was seven and I hated every minute of it, but I'm so glad they did because it formed this total musical foundation for me. And then obviously I, I, I piano wasn't sexy enough. So I, I, I played drums. <laughs> I played drums for a long time. And then, uh, I, I took up guitar at 12 and, and from there, uh, I was just obsessed with guitar forever. So that's kind of how it started for me. And Scott, how about you? Um, I had a, a a lot of music being played in my family's home when I was growing up. Um, my father, I would say, was the key to uh, bringing me into music. Uh, he played drums uh, back when he was in, you know, his teenage years to, you know, before he, you know, had a family, of course. And he, uh, you know, always had uh, like, you know, when I was 
young, young, he always had a kit, you know, they're at the house and I jam on it and sl old Slingerland said, if I remember right. And, um, you know, and he was always playing music in the house. The records were always spinning back in the days when there were records. And, uh, you know, it was great times that, you know, uh, just growing up around a lot of the great artists that he'd play um, in in the rock world from the Eagles to, you know, uh, like Brian's at Sticks and uh, Bad Company, you know, all those uh, greats that are, um, you know, big influence on me today. Um, and uh, basically, I started with just learning beats and stuff there. And then uh, my grandfather got me a guitar because he played steel guitar. So um, he, you know, he'd gotten like an acoustic type of guitar. I think it was acoustic at the time. And then he had, um, you know, I got a cheap electric that I saved up my money for. <laughs> Worked at, the, you know, jobs in the neighborhood, mowing lawns and stuff like that back in the day to to get up enough money to, to buy my first guitar. And um and I was just a guitar player, you know, um, writing songs. I always wrote, and I think that's basically as far as I wanted to go on it. I didn't want to be a lead player. I was drawn to, you know, th at the time, Eddie Van Halen's and all that that were out today. And it was nice to see those guys come up, you know, um, be, you know, as far as like, you know, be the first ears on music like back if you lived in those days, you know, and this is the early eighties there and getting to hear all that stuff uh, for the first time was really, you know, uh, groundbreaking. And, and not only that, it was just, it was addicting to listen to music back then. Um, you used your imagination because you looked at records back then versus, you know, there's before MTV and then MTV hit and it kind of even exploded that much more. Um, but I would just, you know, always writing songs on it and, uh, then I tried to get into a band and, I, you know, I was just going to be a rhythm player, but then, you know, it wasn't the greatest guitar player and there's always better guitar players. And I didn't put my focus there. Um, and they were like, man, you write these songs. Why don't you just try singing? And, you know, I, I always sang the stuff and it was just like, I, I, I thought I was all right at it. Um, but, you know, I kept practicing and practicing and some of my friends that were in bands with me were like, Hey, stay with the guitar. And some did say, uh, go with, uh, singing and, you know, you push through it and you push through it and then you get to, you actually can do it. And so then, you know, they come back and say, man, actually you, you proved me wrong. You know, you actually, you know, saying, you know, it's, it's like anything else. You, sometimes you have a little bit of a gift to be able to hit ranges and stuff, but you got to work the voice and, and, and work everything. So it took time and I developed my voice and just really worked at it to get where I could sing. And then I got into, you know, original bands and played a lot of original bands and then started working in, uh, covers later on um and then went back to originals you know so it's back and forth you know um but it taught me a lot um but that's basically you know the gist of how i got to be a singer being the front man has its own certain responsibilities too because you know it's all, like all eyes aren't are on you when you're on the stage um or the guitarist if they're really you know playing and up towards the front one thing i've noticed is when you're playing guitar anybody's playing guitar there's usually a crowd of people around them trying to figure out what they're doing on the guitar <laughs> um and the other thing i was going to add in too is about just the album rock in general because i think it gave all of us an opportunity to really research the different bands and usually an album would have a concept and it would start with the first song and go to the last cut on it on the flip side. 
And it was interesting to let the musician tell a story. So how do you all find that this is this is like a different time and a different scenario now where people are cutting singles and they're changing kind of the formula on how they get their music out. Um, can you say anything about that or how that's different or how it may change it up? Do you think you're getting more traction by releasing signal, singles? No, I think you, you just hit the nail on the head that the, the music business has kind of been turned on its head. And I have a, a good friend of mine that told me there's no there's no business in the music business anymore. Uh, and that's that's not necessarily true if you're a, a you know a bazillion selling artist. You know, there's there's definitely a living to be made there, but things have changed. And I and I and I do I do remember the first album I ever got for Christmas. I think I was like seven was uh, Elton John, Captain Fantastic and the Brown Dirt Cowboy. And yeah. that, that album cover alone, I would just sit and study in the, in the artwork. And it was just crazy. And uh, so, yeah, I think I miss that. But we are a, we're a consumer society now. So people want what they want. They don't want to wade through uh, deep cuts on an album, which is unfortunate. Because, you know, that's some of the stuff that, that we all grew up on and we love. But yeah, it's a it's a consumer society. And and yeah, you have to you have to pivot at times to to try to try to be in the game a little bit. And and we are in a singles culture as far as music music goes, which is good in a way because you don't have to come up with 10 or 12 songs before you release something. You can, you know, Scott right. Scott and I are writing like all the time. And also it's like, hey, this is this is done. Let's just like, I mean, we could have waited and, and, and recorded an album. Uh, but you know, we're, we're more like, we really, we really intensely focus on every piece of the song to make the song as best it could be. And then just, even just a couple of weeks ago, we started working on an idea and just a, a couple of days in, we're like, no, this isn't working. We're not, let's not even waste our time doing this other uh, back in the day. You might've done that as just like a filler song to put in there. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't, we weren't feeling it. So, and, and that's a very circuitous answer to your question. Uh, <laughs> kind of going all over the, all over the map, but yeah, I think that the way it is now, uh, is, 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 is more singles driven. Uh, I won't say that we won't put out an album at some point. Uh, I'm sure we probably will. Uh, but for right now, this, this is the, the kind of the cadence that works for us, you know? The other thing that is um, quite different, and I think COVID has probably pushed this along, is you don't have to worry about the logistics of getting everybody into one studio. Now, um, COVID forced musicians pretty much to do whatever they're going to do on their end, wherever they are, respectively, um, you know, cut a track and somehow put those tracks together later, even though y'all are remote. Yeah. So, so many musicians went and did this in 2020 and 2021 when there was very few touring and people didn't really want to be in the studio together. Yeah, um, to be honest with you, the, this has been going on longer than that, but it really kind of, it really started to take shape uh, through the COVID thing. And, and uh, I've been, I've been working, you know, with other projects for the last 10 years that are, that are mostly remote. So it's it's a 
I, I think it's, it's opened the door to, to being able to work with artists. Like I, I worked with, you know, somebody that was in Croatia, you know, uh, you know, just, I, I think if you look at, if you look at the arc of technology, it's, it's, it's insane what tools you have available now at your disposal. If you put in a little bit of time to go through the learning curve and learn how to, you know, I had to learn how to run pro tools and, you know, how to engineer audio and, and that, and, 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 and then, so Scott, this wouldn't even be possible what Scott and I are doing if it wasn't for technology. I mean, Scott sends me an idea. I rough things out. I send it back to him. He cuts vocals in Nashville, sends it back to me. We have drums cut, you know, at a studio here in Mesa. And then, you know, Marine Lacoste from Uncle Crackers cutting V3 in, in Canada. You know, so it's, yeah, it's just, it's, it's really cool. There is, some would say that you're missing that vibe of being together in the same room, uh, which I do agree with that a little bit. Um, but, but for the most part, you can be very, very productive and very um, creative uh, being remote. You know, Scott, I don't know if you want to add anything to that. Yeah, I mean, technology is amazing nowadays. You couldn't do that maybe, you know, in the 80s or even 90s, right. you know. Um, but yeah, it has opened up the door a lot. And just to back up to your previous question, too, about singles, if you think about it back before um, vinyl, when it was, you know, just 45s back in the day, you know, before our, right. mine and Brian's time and your time, you know, they were spinning, um, you know, 45s and Elvis's time. And, you know, before that, Buddy Holly and all those were all 45s. They weren't doing they were all singles back then. So I think the market's kind of resurfaced back to uh, doing that again in a digital format. However, um, going to the question that you're asking about, um, you know, with the, you know, technology and being able to do all that. The great thing about Brian is um, he's got a great sense. And this was told to me by even my producer guy out here that I work with for, for doing some vocals with. Um, he's got a great sense of drumming because again, he started out drumming so he can, uh, when we, a lot of the reasons you want to get in the same room is to get the drums right. So when right. you can get the right feel for it. So you'll do the song over and over and then everything gets scratched. The, the, usually they'll take the, you know, um, sometimes we'll keep the rhythm tracks on there, but a lot of times just to get those drums, you know, perfect. Um, and so we're able to do that because he'll program them awesome. Um, and then, and before we get the live drummer on it, He'll send it out to me. We'll go back and forth and go, does that feel right? Does, you know, till we get that feeling like as if we were right there in the same room. And that's why it works so great because we can nail down the feeling of it and we could just speed it up, slow it down or change a beat. And then once we get that, then we got the foundation. We start building upon that. He sends it out to me. Then we'll go back. And re once I lay down the vocals, we've been replacing it with real drums, but they just copy exactly what we already have there. So it's like they're right on the same time. Everything's there to just mimic what we've already got. Um, unless we, you know, down the future, we might just keep the, you know, the sample drums because everything sounded so great with technology. Now we might even be able to just keep the drums. So um, that's the great thing. You can't even tell right nowadays with some of the kits, they sound so original. They sound like a real drummer right. playing. And, we, and we've got those sounds. So we might just keep that because, again, once we replace them, we're like, wow, there's a small, minute change uh, between what we have with the drum machine versus what we're hearing with the live drummer. But again, it's the feel is there. So we were lucky to get that and be able to figure that out. And then we could just build upon it. And we're like, Hey, what do you, why don't you try this? Or why don't you try this? And why don't you, so we're, we're still, it's like, we're 
in the same room, even though we're miles apart. And we've had we've done we've done FaceTime sessions where Scott will pick up his guitar and I can see him, like even just like the phone technology where you can just instantly uh see what some you know we we can be in the same room virtually and 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 scott can play you know hey i got this idea for a verse here or a chorus what do you think of this and so it's remote and 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 i guess the the whole world has kind of gone remote a little bit look at us right now i mean we're i i love that we can we can be all in different areas of the world and have a conversation it's really cool yeah i liked also during covid they're not doing it as much now but during COVID, they were doing concerts where you could actually watch from home, which I thought that's really great just for people that can't get out or, you know, they live 200 miles away from a venue venue to see a live show. And I just thought that is just so convenient and so cool. And um, I loved that idea when it was happening. And And once in a while, you'll see a few of those shows, you know, that'll cross the internet you know and you I still sign up for for the ones that I want to see um so you've got two singles out now I'm alive and dirty filthy crazy both great videos great songs um can you tell us a little bit about the recording of the videos for those and um it really looked like I'm alive was just like a huge party and then Dirty Filthy Crazy used some really great, very colorful special effects. So fill us in on how you did that and how you got the concept for both of those um, and the songs. Uh, Brian, you want me to go on this one? I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll take, let this. You take this one. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So good, good question. Two different uh, concepts completely the way we approached uh, recording of the videos. Um, the first one um, I had we we're looking for the stay in our budget. And I had a friend of my other, my producer, and I said, Hey, you know, anybody that, you know, can stay in a pretty decent budget that we can afford that uh, we can get a great video. That's, you know, someone with a lot of, you know, just talent that's upcoming up and coming, you know? And he goes, I have the perfect person for you. Her name is Talia. And, um, she's incredible i we watched some of her stuff that she put together you know and other videos and you know and i sent it to brian and uh you know some other friends and so what do you think and they really thought she was talented you know from what they saw and really had some great uh concept ideas uh sent her the song and she loved it and i said she lived in nashville before but she had moved to la so she she travels back and forth between the two and um i said well when when are you going to be here so we could schedule this all together and just try it and you know, see what we could do with see how it comes out which she goes i'll be able to put this together and make it look great so she has a little crew here and a little crew in la so um she brought her crew down we found a house in nashville here it's uh you know you can rent this house out it's a pretty a trippy house it's got everything you know that you from the like retro in it right so and it's uh it was it had a lot of imagery we wanted something that was going to be colorful and in, in the video and kind of be you know just not just some guys playing in a, in a house right so we rented this house and brought as many of the friends that we could find and then in the area you know let them know about it because the brand band was still brand new so not everybody knows about us you know that was the first single um so we just 
you know, it went off pretty much who we knew that we could get down there to be in the video. Um, and they did, they came down and it was really a, a great time. She did a great job on it. That was more of a traditional video feel of it, you know, meaning that we had real camera to, you know, she had great equipment, had the big, you know, uh, huge lights. And I mean, it was just like, you know, a regular video shoot that you would, you know, used to pay thousands and thousands and thousands for. We were able to do it on a smaller budget like that and get it done. And I thought she did a great job. The second video, and that was I'm Alive. So the second video, uh, we did a whole different concept. We were trying to see if we can what we can do with the budget because, you know, videos get expensive until you get, you know, somebody paying for them. Um, so it's coming out of Brian and I's pocket so we're like all right let's figure out how we could do this with technology so um I was searching on and uh the internet and I saw this uh video from lit you remember that band lit okay right. so they had this um this video that was uh basically like a lyric video but the guy that did this lyric video made it look almost like a real video you can't I mean, I would have thought it would have been so I thought it was better than some of their other videos that they shot. Right. So I've, but it was a lyric video and he put all this cool stuff and he did this colorization for this lyric video. And I go, I think that would be awesome if we could do something like that with and it cut the colorization and shoot it from home. So um, I got a hold of him and I told him the concept and he said, absolutely, I can make that work. He was, you know, younger guy, you know, that, you know, really good with technologies in his early 20s. and um, and he thought, you know, let's give this a shot. I can definitely do what you're wanting me to do and film it. So we, we all filmed in our home doing this song on an iPad. I did mine on an iPad. Everybody did theirs on their phones, their cell phones. Wow. So he just said, give me, you know, the headshot uh, down to your waist and some far back. So we shot, you know, it's cheap when you do it like that because it's a, you're shooting your own video footage and you, we just all got you know some ring lights and and some uh you know uh maybe some assistance from family members or whatever or my wife helped me out on that one and uh she filmed me with her ipad and i just stood there and just performed like i was doing the other video and um we got all the video footage i sent it to him and, and they sent theirs to, to him and he goes yep that'll work or shoot one more time and do this and then I'll put it all together. So then I sent in some stock footage with, you know, that we could use that was legal to use. And we combined that with the stock footage and he put the colorization on it. And then there you go. And we were wow. able to do that under, I think we did that for 700 bucks. It was like very Peter Max with all the colors, very trippy, psychedelic. I loved um, the special effects on that. And I thought it was cool that the gal who did the first one, uh, I'm alive. Um, she's got my same last name, Talia Stewart. So I thought yes, that I was, was going to, I was going to say, I wanted to give her a plug. Talia Stewart. Uh, is yeah. amazing. She, she, yeah, she did she, a great awesome. job. Yeah. Absolutely. And it looked like a party. It just looked like a real party going on in the house. And I'm sure there's a lot of settings like that throughout Nashville. So, you know, different bands can go and record. Um, so, you are putting um, a full-scale band together, the two of you, so you can actually do some touring. And um, how's that getting put together? Is it going to be people you know? Are you interviewing people? How's that working for you? So that, that's a great question. So, uh, yeah, so Scott and I kind of, we're, we're a duo, and we we kind of created this thing, and then we're all of a sudden we're like, oh, shit, we got to, like, we got to think about putting a band together, you know? Uh, and so 
the, the, the quick answer is we don't know yet who's 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 going to be in the band. We're not sure. Uh, um, and we, you know, at the turn of the, the new year, we were like, oh, we have to start really thinking about this. So I, I don't have a good answer for you about, about any names yet of who's going to be in it, but we're, we are, yeah, we're going to, we're going to put it together. A lot of, a lot of times when you record the songs and there's lots of layers of, it's like, we want it to be, we want it to be killer. And so, but I mean, we would probably need a 10 piece band to pull it off. You know what I mean? So there's going to be some, some areas where we need to like probably um, uh, do some, do something creative to try to pull off some of the, some of the, the, the work that we've done, but, but yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be cool. We, we want it to be awesome. That's the thing. Like, I don't want to go out and half-ass it at all. Um, so, uh, we've, we've kicked some names around back and forth about, uh, about the who part of it. Um, but we'll, we'll, and, and most of the people we know have, are, are busy in other bands. And so we have to get schedules together. And so, yeah, we, we didn't want to just go out and be a bar band, you know, um, right. right off the bat. So, so there's some of that where, where we want it to be an event and, and, and yeah, I don't know, Scott, if you want to add anything to that. Yeah, absolutely. Everything that Brian said is as on point there, you know, um, we wanted to give a live band. We needed to put something together when we felt like uh, we had something to offer uh, the people, you know, um, we wanted to get some songs together. We thought were really great that inspired us to go put it a live band together because um, we've done the live bands. All of us have been in live bands, you know, um, yeah, many of them. And uh, we don't, with this thing we wanted to say let's try to write songs that you don't hear anymore uh so that's so when you when you go to create something i just saw a great thing and i thought man this is exactly the way i feel i think brian feels the same from what i've you know got from him on it but uh like if you go back to tom schultz from boston he put he he made that first record to basically for what he wanted to hear in music he created an amp that he wanted it, you know, to sound like. So he was very innovative, but he he created something specifically that he wanted to hear. With us, you know, a lot of stuff's been done, but we wanted to take all of our influences and create something you don't hear anymore. There's a lot of stuff that has gone to the wayside that was great um, that maybe only classic rock stations are playing now. Um, and there's a lot of wanting to hear that music again. We hear it all the time. It's just not being uh, either pushed in the marketplace or, you know, nobody's it might not be interested because they think it might not get the, you know, the light of day. Um, I always believe that the cream rises to the top. If you write great songs, it'll, it'll sooner or later get out there and people will find out what you're doing. So we wanted to create a little bit of a buzz before we put everything together. And so that's, you know, our goal is to try to get something out sometime this year with the live band, but we wanted to release some, at least two to three singles, get everything rolling first and, and really start to steamroll the songs um, out, you know, after that um, and put the band together somewhere in this year. One of the cool things about the older music is uh, you mentioned Boston, for example, that's just one band in particular, but when you heard them play, they were unmistakable. They had their own sound and you could, you could hear the song that was being getting the airplay on the radio. Then you could flip the album at home and listen to another song and know that it was Boston playing the song. So developing your own sound is like a big thing um especially with a new band and getting together with new people who may have their own individual 
energy going into it. So do you have anything to add to that or anything that you can say to that? What is the sound that you're trying to achieve? In other words. So, so I don't, I will go on record saying, I don't, I don't know that we've completely found our sound yet. We are, we are kind of in the process of figuring that out. We have Mm -hmm. tons of influences, uh, you know, a, a plethora. And, and I think what we've created is cool and it's original, but but I think we're we're still searching a little bit. We we're, we got a new single that's coming out in a, in a couple of weeks, um, and it's 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 different. It's different from the other two, and we're working on a new one just right now uh, that that sounds different also. So uh, and maybe that is our sound. Is is it's hard to pin down, you know? Because it's kind of like a '90s. It's kind of like an '80s '90s rock. Um, so it's not really that retro because there is a lot of new element to it, but um, it is something I haven't heard before. So that's good. You know, yeah, you nailed it. Um, and the next one is got a combo of, of that too. Um, you know, you remember a lot of the bands that we grew up on, like Queen, for instance, right. had like Bohemian Rhapsody. And I use this and tell this a lot, but Bohemian Rhapsody to, you know, uh fat bottom girls to another one bites the dust none of them sound the same right i didn't like when i got a band got pigeonholed and they had a sound but everything sounded exactly the same i liked you know when you get a variety like that i i thought that was really cool i'm like wow still sounds like queen but it's totally two different styles of songs so we always wanted that's one thing that we're going to incorporate even though it you know we have might not have completely got our sound yet maybe like brian said maybe that is our sound just we're all over the map as far as style wise but it still sounds like us you know like marigold round that's going to be coming out next still sounds like us though it's totally different from i'm alive and totally different from dirty filthy crazy i it's moods music is moods right so when you get in the car you might be in a happy mood you might be in a uh you know more of a uh, somber mood or you know whatever your mood is and that's what i love about music and so that's what we try to create you know stuff that we're we're mood when we listen to a song whatever mood we're in it it appeals to us at that moment you know um so we're going to have a lot of different shifts in music in the music like that where the moods are different and style might be different but it's still going to collectively sound like lola vane um how did you get the musicians together to record the first two singles was that a challenge or were there people ready to play with you on those so so that that's a good question too and and i have uh Luckily, um, uh, I, I've got uh, a good um, Rolodex of musicians that, that I respect and admire, and Scott the same. And <clears throat> there were some there were some kind of caveats that had to happen uh, on the front end. I mean, they had to have the ability to record, obviously, and they had to be kick-ass players, right? Uh, you know, and. And that's one thing I learned through audio engineering is that um, if if the performances are good, the song almost mixes itself. So we wanted great players, and and so yeah, I, I Ken Mary played the drums on on both tracks. In fact, all three tracks. The new one's coming out too. He plays for Flotsam and Jetsam. He played with Alice Cooper. He's played with um, uh, uh, the Almond Brothers. He's playing right now with Jack Russell's Great White. He oh, is, wow. He's a yeah. phenomenal drummer and a phenomenal audio engineer. 
and his drums always sound kick ass. They just sound perfect. And and yeah, and to that point of you know, we do we demo everything on on a, uh, uh, I use I use mostly addictive drums, which is a, a program. The 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 real drums, the, the, they're just so most of the time there's a feel and symbols sound different and, and it's like okay so uh but stuff is getting the technology is getting better so so i'm not sure how that'll always always play out but but for yeah uh for bass we've used chris catero we use pete griffin um and then marine uh, lacoste marine lacoste is one of the best hammond b3 players on the planet today and she kicks ass and her, her tones are like dirty and percussive and and she was like the missing kind of link to to what we were trying to go for and and so and and i have these people now that i can like go to and say hey we're, we got this new song and they're eager to work on it um and it's good you know i i think yeah i think having these these high quality musicians has really helped us a lot i think and and out here on my side uh um it was great because on the mix side um so brian will get you know um the you know the guys out there to play on it uh we'll send it to, to marine out there in canada but and she plays with uncle cracker by the way just a little plug for her right. but, and um then when he, he gets everything done i have a buddy out here that um you know i i i sought after to get him to mix it his name is anthony uh fox and anthony uh has been the engineer mixer uh mainly mix guy for and and may even uh mastering for um uh the producer um brian you know who i'm talking about i just can't think of the name yeah, but oh, buck cherry uh he's worked with aerosmith he's worked uh, with the name um just trying to draw a name um anyway oh, he's bobby a, huff? no <laughs> bobby huff's the guy i work with with on the vocals but um for um anthony worked for him and i just can't think of his name oh. You know who I'm talking about? Yeah, I, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, it's just drawn a blank. I can't remember but, his name uh, anyway, uh, he's a big time producer, producer like for Aerosmith and you know everything else. Um, he's he's who Anthony worked for, and Anthony is a superb mixer and engineer. Um, he, you know, he started back with them in L.A. and then they moved out here and you know did everything for the last 14 years out here in Nashville, doing all a lot of big records from country like you know stuff to down to rock stuff. Um, so he did a great job on the mixes. You could tell the mixes are just really high fidelity mixes. I mean, they're big, they're wide and, and definitely um, a lot of uh, things that you, you know, if you're into that side of music that you can tell the difference between that and somebody locally that, you know, you know, might not have the experience that he had. Um, we're getting close to the end of our time. So I wanted to just ask you, this is, this is like a huge project you're undertaking. Um, but where do you all see yourself five or 10 years from now? And when you hit like 60, are you going to be in the rocking chair or are you going to be rocking? I know what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to keep going as long as I can. And, I, and I've always said that the, the, until, until you have to wheel me out in a wheelchair, I mean, <laughs> it's what I love doing. And, and I know Scott, Scott's the same. We, we 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 all have played in live bands, uh, and and it's just that that feeling of being on stage is is, is amazing, and the feel and equally as amazing is that that feeling of uh, creating new music. Uh, 
There's nothing like that feeling of starting, you know, Scott sends me an idea. It's just him on his acoustic guitar and it's, and then it becomes this thing, you know, and uh, that, that's really cool. So yeah, I, I, I think we'll be writing for sure uh, until I drop dead probably. I'd agree with that. Um, same here. It's in your blood. It's in your blood. You just can't like say, well, I'm done now. I'm a certain age. That's why you still see the stones out there touring, right? They kind of set the bar. They right. move the goalposts. As long as, you know, you could say if they're doing it at what, 80 something years old now, uh, that's, you know, that's pretty full much. I mean, that's pretty, pretty much the full life of most people. Right. Um, and they're still out there playing stadiums. So if we, they could do it. Yeah, we, <laughs> we covered the stones just last October, actually, with ghost towns. And I had seen the stones before, but Mick Jagger is probably healthier than probably most of the people that were in the stadium. <laughs> yeah. And he just kept going for hours like the Energizer Bunny. I was really, really surprised that he could keep going like that. I thought it was kind of full circle because... Uh, this was in Tampa and right because I'm in Tampa and um, he wrote, I can't get no satisfaction at a little hotel in, in Clearwater, which is right across the bridge. And uh, so it was kind of interesting. And he remembered that and mentioned it. And I thought this guy is 78 years old and he remembered that. Isn't that crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I just remembered I lost my keys today, and I, I it took me like an hour to find them. So I'm, I, I'm yeah, I yeah, Mick Jagger is is an enigma. Those guys are all enigmas. I mean, just insanely talented and insanely physically active, and and yeah. So that is Scott. Scott was right. They set the bar, and they are continually moving the goalposts every day. Right. You know. Right. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us here at Rocket Night. And I just want to tell our listeners, check out, go to Spotify or your regular streaming um, platform. Check out the two songs. Uh, I'm Alive, Dirty, Filthy, Crazy. We've got Merry Go Round, the third signal, single that's going to be coming out. And we'll be looking for more. Um, music coming from you guys really excited to see how this is gonna turn up and hopefully when you get a tour going you'll be stopping by in tampa for sure and, uh, just a one last plug uh subscribe to our youtube channel it'll be very helpful we're almost to a thousand we're at 957 we need a few more to get to a thousand so help us out absolutely when you're when you're helping out bands on the social networks that gives them the ability to do a lot more with the social networks um, once they have the numbers up there so uh, anybody who's hearing this uh, go give it a like or a follow so absolutely Nita thank you for having us on rock rocket night rocket night thank there you there you go thank you, you. have a great night thank you right. you too appreciate it bye bye Don't know where she's going, but she damn sure.
listening to Rock at Night. The introductory song, Get On Down, is from blues artist Billy, Billy Bass Alford. Look for his music at ReverbNation.com. 